Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Strength and Death podcast. Today we welcome Dan Laverpore, owner and founder of Performance Ready, alongside head S&C coach of London Pulse. Dan has had a wealth of experience in the realm of strength and conditioning, which has taken him around the world and back again. He's been fortunate enough to coach athletes to the Olympics and to the World Championships in various sports. Dan talks about S&C with a passion and there's a true desire to improve every individual he comes into contact with. So hopefully you find this episode enjoyable and beneficial, whether you're a highly experienced coach or a coach just waiting and willing to get into the game. If this is your fifth episode with us, hopefully you're enjoying the journey and taking little nuggets from every episode. Or if it's your first time with us, hopefully you enjoy the ride. Previous episodes can be found on Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, just searching Strength in Depth. You can find us on Twitter and that's the at LukeT88 or on Instagram it's at Taylor underscore performance. Um, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and with no further ado we'll get into the episode with Dan to come on uh, Dan I was really excited to have you on um, really excited for you to kind of share your story and your journey um, so I don't want to take up too much airtime so yes yeah, sort or of please far away and kind of give us a bit of your background a little bit of your journey and then I'll, I'll kind of unpick as we go along yeah Luke great to be here thanks for asking me to come on um, I guess I'll start now and then we'll go back to the beginning so I'm a strength and conditioning coach I'm also an athletics coach but right now I'm employed in strength and conditioning and I work for uh, London Pulse, who are a netball team that play in the Super League. For those that don't follow, there's a, you know, a national league, you know, it's akin to the premiership of netball. And I look after the London team. We're London's only team. We're also the newest team in the league. And aside from our role of, or my role of preparing the players for, for that competition, we see we've got a bigger role in, in terms of what we can do for the region in terms of developing players. And we can talk a bit about that later. I also work you know, alongside yourself at the FA, supporting our men's and women's uh, national football teams. My job is like the, you know, the kind of cover teacher. When, they, when you guys need some help, I come in and, and I've been lucky enough to be on two uh, tours or two tournaments with, with you guys. And um, once we get through this period of COVID, hopefully we pick that back up again. But you know, then going right back to the beginning, if that's where you want to start, Luke, shall I go back there? And yeah, 100%. Yeah, please do. Yeah, probably like a lot of strength and conditioning coaches, a bit of a, a mediocre athlete who realised the way to be involved in professional or elite sport was to get into coaching. And my sport was athletics, which, you know, reflecting back on the influence of that, that was definitely a great place to start and, and pick up a lot of skills that, that transfer to other sports. Because, of course, athletics is just, you know, it's physical prep at its essence. Um, did my degree at John Moores. It was a great university, real strong research focus. That's helped me a lot. Going forward, from there, uh, my first real job after interning and working in gyms as a PT and staff, my first real performance job is I moved to New Zealand. And that was like my you know, kind of land of opportunity, just go somewhere and, 
and you know try and you know, make something happen and and I was really lucky that you know um, it, it did work out for me there but I got a job um, as an assistant strength and conditioning coach and by the way Luke if you want me to go into anything in detail just please ask but you know I got a job there as an assistant strength and conditioning coach uh, quite quickly started leading some uh, teams uh, national teams as a, as a lead in endurance sport mainly but also in netball because so I how so on that so you're in you're in Liverpool you're studying an undergrad in sport exercise correct so how so how have you gone from living in Liverpool and saying I know I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on a plane to pretty much as far away as you can go as a as a young lad and move yeah. to New Zealand yeah it's a good question um yeah well, there's, there's two ways to explain it I remember quite clearly in one of the lectures I was in uh one of the, the lecturers, a guy called Ben Edwards, he goes, if you can't get paid here, you may as well not be paid somewhere else. And since I wasn't getting paid as a coach in, in Liverpool, I figured, well, let's go, you know, go work for free somewhere else anyway. And I, so I was kind of on the lookout for something around the world. And I just finished my uh, honours dissertation and it was in resisted sprinting and horizontal power. And I'd referenced, referenced this guy called John Cronin, you know, like in every paragraph. Yeah, I know the guy, yeah. And... I just thought I'm going to email him and just let him know I've written this thing. And I emailed him. And for anyone who knows John, he's, you know, he's just in strength and conditioning 24-7. And this guy's writing back to me at, say, four in the morning from New Zealand. And I knew straight away this is a great guy to, you know, to, to, to build a conversation with and a relationship with. And we talked for ages online, just on email. And after a while, he said, have you thought of further study? And would you like to come over to New Zealand and, and do something? So I said, you know, yeah. And I think pretty much two weeks later, I booked a one-way ticket, went over there. We found some funding from Netball New Zealand. And I started my MPhil with them, researching balance and injury and uh, movement assessments. And yeah, that was, that's how I got down there. So you're very much, you're, you're created, you've created a role for yourself there. You're not, you're not applying for a role there. You're, you're kind of, forging your own path essentially yeah yeah and you know i don't think i had you know any real purpose to that first email i sent him i just thought it'd be cool to let this guy know that i'd written loads about his work and and i was i was into it and you know it ended up being you know the probably the biggest life-changing career-wise anyway uh, thing that i've been through that's that's amazing so, so you're in new zealand you're doing some work with new zealand netball yeah, so doing, doing the, the research for Netball New Zealand, obviously that puts me in a world with all these, you know, elite netball coaches, you know, other S&C coaches, and I'm now part of the part of the scene, albeit just at a very, you know, kind of, you know, outside level. And I was given a role as the lead S&C coach for a team called the Northern Mystics who play in their version of the Super League. At that time, it was called the ANZ League. I think even before that, I was working with some you know, local netball teams and just doing whatever I could do. And then from there, I was given a job as the first assistant in their version of the EIS, which is called High Performance Sport New Zealand. And quite quickly, I think six months or so later, I was made a lead SNC coach. And I think I just timed it right, Luke. You know, when I moved there, there was four national lead SNC coaches and I was the first assistant. And when I left in 2013 so five and a half years later I think there was something like 16 lead coaches so I just kind of timed it right yeah. I was just very lucky to get there at the time where it was on, on its way uh, on a period of growth but yeah I worked in uh, mainly endurance sports so kayak rowing triathlon 
and athletics, which all sit really well with me coming from an athletics background. But I always had this netball thing going on on the side, you know, for the, for the four or the five years I was there. Um, so that's how I got my head into the team sport uh, world as well. And yeah, from there, it was just incredible, Luke. I went to um, Olympic Games. I went to um, three or four world championships in different sports, um, supported athletes to a Commonwealth Games. Actually, after I left New Zealand um, and I was working then for the British Olympic Association, I was still involved with the New Zealand guys. I coached the decathlete as well. I went to the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow with him, so I kept that, that relationship with New Zealand going. Uh, but from New Zealand, I moved back to the UK to take a role at the British Olympic Association um, in a combined role with the EIS. And I led the, led the National Rehab Science Programme at Bisham Abbey. And, you know, as a, as a trainer, S&C coach, you know, this was just a fast education in, in how to work with lots of different things. Because every week we would have three different athletes come in from different sports, uh, new injury, new pathology, new history to figure out. And we'd have very short time frames to try and uh, make an impact, you know, one, two weeks. Um, so in terms of picking up skills, diagnostic skills and, and um, those skills around trying to understand the athlete in front of you. You know, I was lucky to have a massive acceleration in those skills in that time. Um, from there, I took a job at a uh, ambitious high school in North London, running their strength and conditioning program and started to get my head into the youth sport thing. And since then, I've left the school. I've set up a business um, where I have strength and conditioning programs that go into schools. I help anyone from, you know, keen amateur through to Olympians or pro athletes. And then I work as I mentioned at the beginning with London Pulse and, and the FA as well. So that's everything really quickly. I've, I've waffled on there. Well, that's, that's, um, there's a lot to, there's a lot to unpick there. That's, um, that's a pretty phenomenal, phenomenal journey. Um, yeah, that's, that's unreal. And, and I knew bits of that coming in and obviously known you for a while, but I didn't know the extent and you know, kind of, kind of gravitas of that. So um, that's, that's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's, that's um, but I think the, the, the coolest thing for me is, is the variation. Yeah. I know this is, it is talked a lot about in SNC right now. There's a debate around you know, whether you want to be a specialist or, or a generalist. Mm. And, you know, I definitely feel there are some areas I have, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a specialist level, you know, kind of expertise. But a lot of my, I think my expertise is, is derived from the fact I've worked in so many different sports and, you know, in two different countries and multiple environments, including a school. And, you know, I, I know students are listening to this and those with aspirations to work in elite sport. But I tell you what, I learned more in a school working with kids than, you know, in some of the other environments I was in. So I, I don't really. Yeah, I can definitely kind of think back to my time working with, with various age groups and various kind of um, sporting sporting bodies and stuff and I think I would definitely agree you learn a lot from an eight-year-old than you do from a 28-year-old and you learn a lot more about yourself as a coach with those age groups because you have to you've got to coach well to get your point across with those that, that age group definitely um to go back to go back to you kind of that young coach that fresh-faced um coach packing your bags and moving to New Zealand um and kind of going on a whim what were the kind of big kind of big learning moments you had and the kind of what, up, what what did you upskill quickly on kind of early on in your career and what did you find that you found effective going into those early roles particularly 
um, in, in New Zealand. So, you know, fresh face, new coach, graduate um, to assistant role, and then six months later into a, into a head role. What, you know, what did you find you upskilled on really well? Yeah, great question. And if we're talking sets and reps and the, you know, the program itself, I think I, pre I pretty much went in more of a physiologist mm -hmm. and I, you know, I had um, a good academic understanding and also a good feel, you know, from the training I'd done about the types of exercises, you know, the, you know, the energy system we might be training on a particular day and how, you know, that paradigm of those exercises would lead to an outcome. But I probably didn't think about movement that much and, you know, the way athletes were executing what they did. And, and I was lucky enough to encounter a great mentor over there in Matt Critz, who led the national program there at the time. He's now at uh, UCSD in the States. And his PhD was in understanding and screening movement. And, you know, it, it was very much a part of everything we did that no matter what the, you know, the physiology of the program was, the sets and reps, it was all about understanding how the athlete moved and tweaking that. And although, you know, coming from athletics where, you know, coaching technique is, is very much part of what you do. I hadn't translated that over to the weight room, you know, in my head as much as it, it, it became a big part of everything that I've done from that point forwards. Um, in terms of, you know, how I approached my career at that point and um, then what I changed quite quickly, I probably, <laughs> probably more things I would change than, than I actually did at the time. But I went there very, like, very confident in, in what I knew. And, and in some ways that helped me because it, it kind of, I kind of rushed myself through the door, you know, and I, and I kind of announced I'm here and I've got something to offer. And looking back, I was, people probably thought I was the right idiot. And, and um, you know, I probably didn't pay as much um, respect to those who'd been there longer for me, but it, it did help me in a, in a little bit of a way. And like I said, I got my foot in the door, but going back, I probably would have, you know, taken more time um, to listen, listen to, to, to more people, but there definitely were some people I just soaked everything up from and, um, just recycled that information in, in the way that I like to coach and it, within the paradigms and the, you know, the, the way my programs were naturally kind of going because it was me that was writing them. So, you know, I guess I was very lucky to work alongside some of the best people in our industry over there and just steal, steal everything. And then you know, once I stole it, like I said, I probably had too much confidence around it. But I said, you know, this is really what I believe in and just kind of shouted it and, and pushed myself in the door. And then so you've gone from an assistant into like a head role and then like, so you're kind of saying that the these early learnings that you've taken from from your roles in New Zealand and then you've kind of become a head a head position and as you said you've had some fantastic experiences at world championship and at an Olympic level and are those kind of guided and created a, a working philosophy that you kind of you kind of live by now or coach by like in terms of you know, the, the coaching itself and, yeah. and the set of reps yeah like I said movement movements at the center of everything I do. And I tend not to think in exercises. I think about what movement quality I'm trying to develop, you know, whether it's the movement pattern itself and then thinking which exercise is most appropriate for that athlete in terms of what movement pattern I'm trying to train. You know, so for example, are we training push today or pull or hip hinging or squatting or, or single leg movement and then thinking which is the best athlete for them based on how they execute that pattern. You know, if, uh, as you know, well, Luke, um, you know, if an athlete can't squat well, well, you know, we can't squat today. We need to enhance, you know, improve how they do that before we start loading them. So, you know, I definitely 
continue to think in in those terms before anything else. Um, and also the thing that was at the centre of, of the New Zealand system while I was there, which I've taken forward and I continued it from my learnings at British Olympic Association was that when you're understanding the athlete, you've got movement, which we've talked about. You also have to screen their structure, you know, the way they're put together, their, you know, their raw anatomy, their limb lengths, how much muscle mass do they have? What fat mass do they have? How does that influence how they move and how they perform? And then the other way I see things is through their capacity and trying to understand how does their strength, endurance, their speed and their power influence uh, their, their movement and with, along with structure, how does that all come together to influence their performance? And I guess we all always look at the athlete in front of, uh, in front of us as coaches, but you know, really putting that at the front of what we do as opposed to th saying this is the gold standard Bible program for you know, the athlete or the sport. You've got to look at them first and, and really figure out who they are. That's, that's what's lived with me the most from that time. Pretty good. Um, do you have a kind of moment in your time in New Zealand when you kind of hang your hat on and you, when you think back to your time in New Zealand and you're like, yeah, that was, that was pretty special. And that was, that was a, that was a great reason to have gone there. Yeah. I mean, I was young, like, you know, young and just thrown in this environment with you know, some of the best coaches and SNC coaches, physiologists in the world. So every moment, especially looking back that you just sat with these guys, just soaking it up, um, you know, in terms of successes, you know, I also fell on my feet and was really lucky that the first group as an assistant who I was lucky enough to work with pretty much because no one else wanted to work with them. They were just this extra team that no one had the time to pick up was a group of kayakers. And in this group, there was a, an 18 year old girl called Lisa Carrington, who four years later went on to win Olympic gold in 2012. And, you know, it was, it was just a, a pure virtue of luck that, you know, I was willing to work with anyone. And, you know, she was the first one who walked in the gym that day when I, you know, turned up with her group. And I was lucky to take, you know, to be part of that journey with her for those four years from 18 years old to 22 um, at 2012. And, you know, personally, because that was in London, which is where I grew up, and to come home with the New Zealand team to London for those games and be in the crowd. And you know, my parents were there as well, being Londoners to watch that. It was just this very nice kind of homecoming yeah. from that time away, you know, yeah. to back home. Amazing. That, yeah, I got goosebumps when you, when you said that. So I'm sure that that kind of resonates some emotion with you. Um, okay, so, so you've done your time in New Zealand. So what kind of made, what made you leave or caused you to leave or bring you back to the UK? What was, what was the decision-making behind that? Yeah, so you know, I moved there in 2008, early 2008, and I ended up leaving late 2013. But I was back, um, I was back in Europe. I coached a decathlete. Um, called Brent Nudick. We got uh, 12th to 2012, but we were back for the World Championships in Moscow. And we were training for 10 weeks in Tenerife that year leading into to the World Champs. But I'd applied for this uh, thing called a Prime Minister's Scholarship in New Zealand to go visit the British Olympic Association's rehab centre at Bisham Abbey and spend a week from there. So I left the training camp, went to the rehab centre, just hanging out there. Um, and the the lead of that unit, Greg, uh, a great physio who moved on to Royal Ballet, at the end of it, he said that the lead SNC coach was leaving and, you know, he enjoyed the time we spent that week together and said, would I like to apply? And I was kind of looking for a reason to come home, you know, being from the UK and London. 
and you know Bishop Abbey was close enough and, I, and it was a great opportunity so yeah I, I threw my um, my hat in it and did the interview before I went back to New Zealand after the champs and got the role and you know I moved back for it. So again right place right time almost that almost perfect stars are aligning for you there it's amazing. Yeah yeah yeah, you know, I know you wanted to talk about applications and, and the process to go through to, to get jobs, but, you know, there wasn't a, um, an application before the invite to apply. And I hadn't thought about, you know, working at this unit. It just, you know, I was just there. And, and, and I, I also enjoyed being there with the staff and the place. And it was, um, it looked like a great opportunity for me at the time. And I've heard lots of good things around the uh, the IIU at Bisham, and I've, I've known I've known quite a few practitioners who've worked there, and and I've heard you know great kind of success stories of athletes coming through that centre. And um, if you don't mind, kind of going through a little bit of the kind of your experiences and some reflections on the some learnings that you've had from that, that would be fantastic. Yeah, um, it was a, an intense and fast. You know, it required an intense and fast learning curve. Because each week you would have three athletes from different sports, different injuries. And as SNC coaches, we're not experts in injury. And so we're also very dependent on information from other people to understand what's going on. So, you know, I learned very quickly, you need to, you know, take as much information from others, which means you need to ask the right questions in the areas that you're responsible for, um, you know, strength, uh, muscle, you know, loading, uh, loading tissue, movement, and of course, these areas cross over with other people, but those key areas that you're responsible for, you need to come up with you know, a set of assessments that you know that you can go to to get that information quickly and it's meaningful and you, know, you have to be able to put it together in a way that your colleagues in other disciplines can understand. Um, so yeah, I had a, you know, a very, uh, you know, this requirement to upskill very quickly in those areas and every week, because like I say, it was a new athlete, new injury coming through the door. Um, it was also, it was a tough time, tough time as well. Um, the, the, the unit was in a, a stage of transition. So there was lots of new staff coming in, lots of cover staff. Um, so probably never really, um, you know, uh, built the system with other people I would like to have built during that time because it was this time of transition, but you know, nevertheless, you know, great experience to be in there and, and work with injury and problem solve. You know, that's probably the main learning there, the ability to problem solve, solve lots of complicated things quickly. And then, so how long were you in the unit for? I think maybe eight or nine months. And then, um, you know, it, it probably wasn't the right fit for me and I was looking for something different. And an opportunity came up at a ambitious uh, independent school in North London. And they wanted to add strength and conditioning to uh, their curriculum and offer a PE. And youth sport and youth SNC has always interested me, as it does lots of other people, because as a coach, you're always looking at your athlete and wondering how the hell did they end up yeah, looking how like did they, they get to this point? Definitely, yeah. Good or bad, right? Um, so, you know, to so have the opportunity to go to a school and have a lot of control and, and a lot of an opportunity to, to build some young bodies in the direction that you think is important, I thought that was a cool challenge. And I jumped at it and I stayed there. Uh, four years, four years, and um, yeah, built so sort of built a curriculum, built a program. Yeah, we you know we had two things. 
I ran an SNC program before and after school and occasionally in break times, which was, you know, very much how people would imagine it. You know, it's, it's strength and conditioning, you know, we're lifting weights, we're sprinting, we're, we're learning how to move well. Also, we're creating, envi creating an environment that the kids want to be in. And that's obviously super important for young people. They don't care so much about the sets and reps. They want to be somewhere cool and that's yeah. fun and, you know, with their buddies and, you know, lifting weights and the music's on and all that kind of stuff. So I had that going on, but at the same time, um, we were trying to embed elements of S&C within the physical education curriculum. So, you know, we did things like screening the kids four times a year for their movement competency, their capacity for, you know, for aerobic capacity, uh, strength, power. We started putting them into different funnels and groups based on their strengths and their weaknesses. So let's say you have great standing long jump, but your yo-yo test wasn't so good. Well, guess what? When it comes to the physical element of your uh, PE program this week, you're running or you're on bikes or whatever. So we played with a lot of elements um, there, which was you know, super fun and cool to get into. And but also, look, we had, I think it's like 4,000 kids. Um, wow. So, you know, yes, you're impacting a lot of children. Yeah. And, and you get to see what really works and what you can really systemize. Yeah. And I think in our profession, because we're, well, a lot of us like to think we're deep thinkers, <laughs> a lot of, um, you know, um, a lot of ideas come into the fore, which are great ideas, but they're just unrealistic. And when you're training 4,000 kids in four years, you have to figure out what really works and what you can really deliver. And because you can't deliver it all yourself to 4,000 kids, you have to bring your colleagues on board. So you have to put together a system that they can run with. And in that environment, they're not all the SNC coaches, they're PE teachers and football coaches and geography teachers. So can they, can they get what you're trying to uh, do and, and, can they, and can they deliver it was the question. No, that's really interesting. Uh, I like that. And I like the, it's, it's really interesting to, to kind of see the kind of ebbing and flowing of, the, of your career here because it's, from an outside perspective, it's always, it almost would seem calculated in the sense that you want to expose yourself to everything and kind of some high performance abroad, some high, some team environments, some high performance on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And then, oh no, I need some youth to add the string to my bow. Um, so I'm going to go into a school environment, but maybe knowing you, it almost would seem maybe not, but I'm not, I'm not really. I'd say, that, I'd say there was a zero calculation and it was just <laughs> <laughs> what, what opportunity came up yeah. at that moment. You know, nice. I, I come from athletics, Luke. I'd love just to, you know, coach the 400 meter Olympic champion, and that's all I do. But you know, <laughs> unless that person's coming along, I, I, I work any in any environment that's rewarding and gives me an opportunity to to do the job I love and 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 gives me an opportunity to to play with this stuff and try and influence performance. Yes, no, it's it's very um. So I'm going to use the word refreshing to hear that, and it's it's nice to kind of hear the passion come across when we're when we're talking about something that I'm very passionate or we're very passionate about when we talk around SNC and trying to improve athletes notes it's really yeah really really exciting and really interesting to hear so we're at the school for four years make a big difference we're, we're impacting a lot of um young athletes lives where 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 do we hit next uh yeah so probably two things um or three things happened kind of during that time uh the first one is I started working with elite netballers again and, you know, because you're interested in how, you know, these things come about, but I can share that with you is I, uh, I knew that a new netball team had started in London called London Pulse. Yeah. 
at that point they didn't have a senior team they were just age group uh, had just had age group teams uh, but I emailed the head coach and I said hey I actually live next door to the stadium where you guys play I'm an SNC coach and I work with the Mystics and the Silver Ferns and um, I'm here I'd love to meet for a coffee That's and you know, good. talk very good and uh, she emailed back is a lady called Amanda Newton, who's now a really good friend of mine. She's ex-England captain. She emailed back and she goes, we don't need an SNC, you know, see you later. <laughs> and then um, I was like, I was only asking for a coffee. Let's <laughs> talk netball. I wasn't asking for a job. Uh, but she said, yeah, basically, yeah, go away. And then a year later, she emailed and said, I, I found that email you sent last year. Our SNC coach has just left. Are you about? And um, very good. You know, I said, well, you told me to go away before, but but anyway, I, I came back in and, and I took that role again. We just had junior teams, under 21s, 19s, 17s. But uh, 12 months later, we were given a place in the Super League. And you know, I transitioned from, from leading on the pathway with the junior teams to also leading um, the senior program. So I returned to working elite netball. Uh, while I was at the school, I was always uh, still coaching, doing PT. Um, I was coaching quite a bit of athletics at the time, uh, but just in terms of how that fitted into the rest of my life, I was just starting to figure out what it takes to run, you know, your own coaching business and all the things that go with that, you know, small things like uh, know, taking payments and, you know, setting up a website and, um, you know, finding new clients and you know, finding the time and space to train people. I was just getting my foot into the private sector while I was doing that. And then the other thing I did uh, during that time is because I was getting interested in the youth space, I'd um, come up with an idea to roll out my program and my system to a wider group than, than I was capable of leading, um, you know, because obviously you can only be in one place at one time. And I pitched um, in a, a social enterprise competition, uh, a, a, an idea for a social enterprise to um, to gain some funding to run a school program for UK state school children. And I ended up winning that com uh, competition and some funding, which enabled me to you know, put some time aside to really put this program together. And since then that program's now in a number of schools, um, in state schools where, you know, as you know, uh, state schools don't have the same resource to hire people like us. And people like us are now becoming more commonplace in independent schools, but yeah. you know, we, we need to help the majority and the people who need the most help and you know I had that goal to do it and, and winning this competition and it gave me the funding to, to have the time to put that together. Amazing, no, that's absolutely no. So you're, you're, you're spinning a few plates I have to say. I think you've got to. Yeah. I think in, in, in this industry you've got to and look if Covid's taught us anything is that anything can fall away at any time and I've been quite lucky that some things have fallen away for me during Covid but I've got just enough you know, in different places that I can weather that storm a little bit. Yeah, no, 100%. I guess that kind of leads to you kind of acquiring a role with the, the Football Association or, yeah, the English Football Association. So how did that, that come about? Because, you know, a lot of people would love to be involved with the national game and be able to wear the three lions and travel internationally with, with football teams. So how did that come about? Yeah, well, I know, I know some of the guys at the FA and, I've got um, you know really strong relationships with with a few people, and um, they'd always kept me in the loop with what was happening in terms of um, you know how they would be recruiting and the, how the department was changing. And I guess because uh, when the role came up, 
I was no longer in full-time employment anywhere. I had, you know, just a bit of netball. I had my, my business, I had my schools program. Um, the guys knew I was fluid enough that if anything did come up, I'm in the, I have the ability uh, to take on those roles. And yeah, well, you know, when the opportunity came up, they told me to apply and, and I did and went through the process, which was tough by the way, but one of the toughest interviews I've done. I don't know if you went through the same thing yourself. Luke, I, I was there. Yeah, no, I, I, I went through the same application process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess I was lucky enough to, to make it through. I, I came through alongside another one of our colleagues. I think two of us came out of that, that interview day. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's that little journey. And I guess, so what I'm kind of taking from all of this, is, as you said, is kind of like, like um, you wear a lot of hats and you, and you kind of, you manage a lot of roles kind of simultaneously, but um, you're doing it because you enjoy it and you're doing it with a lot of kind of passion, essentially. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I think also, Luke, I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> I probably should have listened a little bit more in maths and economics and whatnot. And I'm seeing my buddies who've gone down, you know, different career paths do really well in, in those careers and maybe slightly easier careers, not in terms of what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, but it has a more kind of natural pathway yeah. uh, to follow that the NOWS does. But um, no, I love what I do. I don't think I could do anything else and I wouldn't want to do anything else and I'll do anything I can to make it work. And, you know, you asked what a career highlight was from New Zealand. If there's any career highlight right now, it could be that I'm still involved 15 years later. And, you know, I know not everyone's made it that far. And, and we spoke a bit before we came online here that sometimes SNCs are a little, they're a little um, prone to talking about the, you know, how hard it is and, you know, the, all the battles they've been through. And it isn't quite like that, but it's a little like that. And like I say, I'm happy to still be, uh, working and, and have a career in it 15 years later. So that actually was going to become my kind of next question is we've seen a lot recently in the kind of social media space and um, around the the current the current battles that are being faced in the, in the SSC world and I think it's it would be wrong of us to kind of not acknowledge that you know we're fully aware that, that there isn't masses of opportunities around for graduates and um, you know, we're fully aware that there is 15,000 graduates from undergraduate programs every year and there is limited amount of roles available for them. And what, you know, what you've shed, shed light on here is that lots of your roles that you've applied for, or, sorry, lots of roles that you've obtained have not been through application or of, if the roles you have applied for, you've already known someone in the organisation. And I've, when I've spoken to people, I've echoed the same response roles that I've obtained have been through a similar kind of avenue. Um, I know people have also mentioned the roles when they are in those roles, they're low paid um, or long hours and tough. But I think it's also really important to kind of mention that um, there's other reasons why we would get into these professions. And I think that you've shed a, a light on it over the last kind of 20 or 30 minutes that we have passions around this. And we, um, as SNC coaches, we love what we do. And I think it's really important to remember that there is, there is good times to be had. Um, and we do really, in, you know, we, we enjoy what we do. Um, so it's kind of like to remember some of the good things opposed to banging the negative drum all the time. So I think it's, yeah, if you wanted to shed a little bit of a light on that one. Well, inherent to what we do, Luke, is the idea of improvement. Yeah. And, you know, without getting too you know, spiritual here, 
Yeah. You know, that, that, that could be what, you know, a major driver for anyone in any area of their life, you know, to, to go down a path of self-improvement in some way. And that's the very essence of, of what we try to do. And we're very lucky to be involved in that space. You know, we're looking for, for physical improvement, but the, the longer you're involved in this and the more you work with people, and they are people at the end of the program, is you're trying to, you know, improve their experience of, of their life in some way and, and you know what more rewarding a profession is there to be and you know our teaching colleagues would say exactly the same thing you know for all the things that they weather in their profession they're you know incredibly lucky and privileged to be in that space where they're in the business of, of improving young people's lives um so yeah inc incredibly warring, rewarding space to to be in academically incredibly rewarding space to be in you know we're solving problems you know, on the fly, very, you know, having to do it very quickly, you know, at the same time, try and build systems over longer periods of time where you really have to get your head into, you know, what you're trying to do and our professions embedded in science. And if you have a scientific mind or an inquisitive mind, it's a great space to be in because you have to be on that, on top of that stuff for the, uh, you know, the, the fun in the gym and that side of things to roll and, and for that to be enjoyable. You know, uh, our peers, we value um, science and recording information and discussing uh, ideas in a way that, that requires a certain amount of rigor. So, you know, academically, uh, in the way that that challenges you, definitely a great space we're in. And I, and I can encourage anyone with that kind of mind to, to pursue it for that reason as well. Um, and then the, the opportunities sport can give you, you know, in terms of whether it's travel, which is always looks a little sexy, you know, you're getting on the plane and going somewhere sunny, that's incredible, incredible, but, you know, meeting people around the world. But, you know, even if you're just coaching at a local level and school level, or so only, you know, you, but you know, there is that often, there is often that feeling that it's elite or, or bust, but you know, there's this huge opportunity to do stuff at a local level that's incredibly rewarding. And there's still a person at the end of that whistle, at the end of the, the training session that, that you're getting to spend time with and, in my work now, you know, I, I still work, you know, I do work in elite sport, but I also work with general population and I've built fantastic relationships with some of my PT clients who work in, you know, lawyers, um, you know, doctors, uh, you know, people with families and, you know, just sharing their journey through, through SNC and, and talking is incredibly, incredibly rewarding. So no, I know. Yeah, I kind of echo a lot of the points you made there, and it's really nice and, as I said, really refreshing to kind of hear that from another voice. That's fantastic. I think that's probably a really nice kind of point to kind of finish on and just a, a thank you for coming on today and kind of sharing your journey and sharing your story. It's um, I found it really um, powerful and enjoyable to listen to, and hopefully our, our listeners do as well. So, um, yeah, we'll leave it there. And um, before we go, um, can, where can people find you online? Um, you, see, you obviously mentioned a website and um, your kind of, um, so if you just want to share your social media platforms, that would be fantastic. Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram. And it's my name, it's Daniel uh, Lavaport. And then I also have a website called Performance Ready. Fantastic. So, yeah, I'll put that all in the, in the, the links to the show. And then, uh, yeah. Thanks again, Dan, and um, yeah, we'll chat again soon. Thank you so much. So that concludes episode five of the Strength in Depth podcast with Dan Laverpore. 
hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode and uh, if you did feel free to give us a shout out on any of the socials or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we look forward to welcoming you in for episode 6 in a couple of weeks time cheers guys